Hey. Thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. Your host this week, myself, Lee, and Reed. You may know us from the Sultans of Slam, which is every Friday here at Tits of the Iceberg. Uh, this is going to be our video game podcast. We're going to talk briefly about what we've been playing, some news that we think is interesting for the world of video games. There's and too then, many news. There's too many. There's too much there's, news. There's too many news. Uh, and then <laughs> uh, and then feature a game, which uh, today will be near Automata, or Automata. I've heard it pronounced every different way in today. Either, in any case, fuck yeah, near Automata. Yes. Uh, so we're going to discuss that. We will uh, have a fair warning for spoilers, as we this is a game we would like other people to play, uh, and hopefully can entice them to do so before having to spoil major things in the story. But first, read. What have you been playing? Um, well, after a large stint on Divinity Original Sin 2, which is a very hardcore CRPG, sure. I decided to switch to the wonderful you want, world you want to slum it. of Anthem. Um, an- an- Bioware's Anthem. Bioware's EA's Anthem. Bioware's Anthem. EA's Bioware's Anthem. Listen, Released a year ago to listen, a smattering was, of applause. Listen, it was $10. I wanted to fly around. I've been playing yep. Titanfall 2 sort of too lately, so I was in that, that shooting sci-fi headspace. Guess what? It's pretty bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not good. Uh, the flying, however, is in defense of Anthem. Yeah. does feel good. No, it's fun. Uh, yeah. So Anthem is a... Third person shooter was kind of going for it was going for destiny. Like if you, yes. when you play that game, you're like, oh, they. It's purely PVE, which yes. is fucking strange. Um, yes, uh, especially when you. Shame yeah. on, it's just a shame on the first podcast episode. Be like, what's uh, this? Wait, man, what you been into? Oh, Anthem. Anthem. A year after its release. No, but uh, if we if we want to give a vague idea of what kind of games we're into, like my favorite game series is probably Dark Souls, Final Fantasy. I love Metal Gear Solid. Um... And then I just love a bunch of dumb shit in between. Yeah, sweet. The dumb shit's kind of where I live when it comes to video games. Uh, I play everything and anything uh, and finish very little of it. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, recently... But you did finish Nier Automata. Oh, absolutely. Uh, So the other thing that came out that I know we're both playing is Pokemon Home. Well, you don't really play Pokemon Home. It's it's an app, I guess. So that that shadow dropped yesterday on February 11th. It's on the Switch. It's on Android phones. It, the app is yet to come to iPhones. You'll be able to sync it all up. Uh, this also means that Pokemon Bank on the 3DS is currently free for 30 days as of yesterday. The clock's ticking. It's not when you log in. It's as of yesterday. Everybody yes, has 30 Pokemon days. Pokemon Bank was free though because yes. I didn't have to input any information. It just let me start doing. Yeah. Things. So here now it's the great Pokemon migration. It's time to take your Pokemon <laughs> from 3DS and it, more permanently put them on mobile and put them yeah. on home because all these different features are coming. Uh, the GTS will be back. Hopefully, we'll be able to do friend-to-friend trades through bank, which would be excellent. Uh, so if or you're like, home, you oh, mean. right. Yeah. Uh, so if you're like, hey, do you have an Espeon? Uh, for some reason, you need one. Uh, if we were able to jump on our mobile phones and I'm able to trade it to you from my cell phone, that's the dream. Uh, is to have that ease of use, not having to go fire up the game and do that uh, would be yeah. excellent. The desire for me to trade or GTS anymore is all but gone at this point, right? Because of how the raid system works in Sword and Shield, it's I don't want to say very easy, but it's definitely common to 
obtain shinies. I'm up to 22 shinies now. It's good uh, that that's the case because there is no GTS in Sword and Shield. Yeah, so I'm like, <laughs> so... it's it's kind of ruined me to the point now where I'm like, ew, non-shiny. Yeah. Who wants that shit? And it should be readily apparent that we'll be using terminology, uh, let's say insider gamer terms. Insider gamer. Insider gamer terms. Uh, Look, we work in the so, biz, as they call it. That's right. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so if you're lagging behind on anything here, we, we aren't necessarily going to go out of our way to over-explain or sugarcoat things. This is just a conversation about video games. Uh, so you're going to hear a lot of abbreviations and terms like GTS, Global Trade Service, right? Global Trading System. Uh, so this was a, this was implemented in some of the DS games even had it, uh, which allowed you to basically offer any Pokemon for any Pokemon you knew the name of or had in your Pokedex, uh, which if you're like me and a completionist means catch... 30 garbage Pokemon at the start of the game and then just start trading them one by one for other Pokemon yeah. uh, to the point where you have almost completed your Pokedex uh, at a certain point. So what was interesting with Home was I'm now going back to all my DS games and I'm trying to trade everything up. Just w- one big home. <laughs> uh, I'm going to leave all these games and their sa- m- m- you know myriad of save files with one Pokemon in their party, send everything up to bank. Herein lies the rub, is Generation 4. Are you familiar with how you move Pokemon from Generation 4? This no. would be Diamond, Pearl, Soul Silver, Listen, I played, Gold, I played Chris, Platinum. I played Crystal, I dabbled in Emerald and Emulators, yeah. and then I skipped all the fuck the way to X and Y. Okay. And I haven't looked back. Which is like the modern era, because it works with Bank. Yeah. Uh, so anything that's before Bank is the issue. Uh, so obviously they released Red, Blue, Yellow, Gold, Silver, Crystal on eShop. These are compatible with Poke Transporter, which is a free app you can get through Pokemon Bank. How many goddamn Bank. apps do you Three. <laughs> there's Pokemon Transporter, there's Pokemon Bank, and there's Pokemon Home. Uh, so you have to use Transporter to basically take a box. It's your box one in the game. And let me tell you, for Pokemon Red and Blue, it's awful to move Pokemon around because you have to literally withdraw and deposit them into that first box. That gets transferred to Bank. You log into Bank. You take them from the Transport box and you put them into your proper Bank, at which point it can be transferred into Home. Jeez. The issue with Gen 4 is it cannot connect to the Poke Transporter and it cannot attack, attach to Bank. The way you are intended to move Pokemon from Gen 4 to Gen 5 is to go on Route 15 in black or black and white 2 one of the two of them to the Poke Transport Lab you then have to trade with your other game attached to another DS or 3DS meaning quite literally by the books you need two DS's or 3DS's to even be able to do this if you don't have that sorry uh, so I have to use like my wife's 3DS I have to put my game I want to transfer from in there I have to put my copy of white uh, which was already saved in the Poke Transfer Lab. I have to thank my past self, uh, and then I would have to transfer Pokemon. Uh, I hope not six at a time, which is how the GBA to DS went. You went to the Safari Zone, and you were able to take six Pokemon at a time from the GBA games uh, to the to the new games. Jesus Christ! So this is my weekend. I have plans, <laughs> uh, but but it will mean I have all the Pokemon that I've ever caught in yeah, one place. All I did Pokemon was home. move. Three Pokemon from Sword and... Yeah, and that cost you $3, apparently. From Sun and Moon. Um, well, Pokemon Home said it cost $3, and I was under the impression... Well, for premium, sorry, because yeah. you can only access bank through Home if you have premium. Right. It was under my impression that this first month is going to be free on Pokemon Home if you had a premium plan. That did not fucking happen. It said pay three forty nine or something like that. Luckily, I had 400 coins from buying other games for the eShop, sure. so it was a free month anyway in that regard. Right, but so still. if you want to just use Pokemon Home with your Switch games, 
you're fine. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. can transfer between uh, let's go Eevee, Pikachu. Yeah. You only have thirty slots though. Like home is very limited yes. if you don't pay. When you yeah. have premium, you have six thousand slots. Yeah, you for could, Pokemon. you could just fucking dump yeah. all your dumb. So I paid for a year. I paid the twenty dollars. Oh uh, really? So I've got my year of premium. The um, only reason I could ever think of doing that is to put all my rejects in there and yeah. I have a lot of them and I'm starting to lose space so I might look into that but uh, as of right now I don't really care. So I move all my Pokemon over and there's a Pokedex burnt, built into home. And of course I have a ton of Charmanders and a ton of Charizards. I have a ton of uh, part 1 and part 3s. No part 2s. So if I want to complete that Pokedex at home, which would be what I wanted from Bank. I always wanted Bank to have an overarching Pokedex. But what I wanted it to do was compile all the Pokemon games you've attached to it. That's not the case. Meaning you're basically building a Pokedex again. Uh, so right now, according to the, the Pokedex in home, there are 890 known Pokemon species. Uh, based on what I have just dumped into home... Uh, I have 555 out of 890. There's more than that now because of Sword, Sword and Shield, though. That that seemingly included it. There's just under 900 Pokemon. I thought it was over 900. This is not including Galar and Aloha, Alola uh, versions. Variants? Yes, oh, it's not okay. including Well, that, that probably yeah. explains a lot. Uh, so, hopefully... Uh, right now I have somewhere just between 800 and 900 Pokemon in this damn service already. you got to see this. It's It looks nuts. Uh, like, it looks absolutely insane. Rendered in 3D... Um, what's really interesting is when you connect Sword to it and you like are just flipping through the box to see which Pokemon are allowed and which aren't. Because some Pokemon that aren't in Sword and Shield are currently available in Sword and Shield. Like, you can put Mewtwo in that game. It, for some reason. Uh, so the first thing I did was like, well, let's get my Sword uh, Pokedex filled up. So I started sending stuff back to my game. And now it's a whole mess. Uh, however, it has reinvigorated... Uh, my love for Pokemon, which was t- on a steady decline playing Pokemon Sword, which is a game that I'm working through that you were at the end of. You've basically been collecting shinies I'm and playing competitively. I'm 250 yeah. hours into There's it. There's nothing left to do in Pokemon yeah, Sword for I've you. I've played three seasons of Ranked. I have yeah. like 70 fully bred perfect IV Pokemon. I'm very competitive player. Ladies. Yeah. Ladies. I, I have a girlfriend. The Pokemon but, Master. You're like Gary and she the... she has sex with me. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> and she has sex with me. And... Uh, but Even after all these things I've said, <laughs> but that's what Lee's playing is the great Pokemon journey. Yes, so I'm six badges in. I'm on Route Seven, heading towards Ch- Sir Chester or whatever it's called, the uh, the ice area. Uh, and uh, that game's not very good. I feel it is the weakest campaign eight badge Pokemon game that there's been. And maybe that's not true. That's a there's very a few. Po- no, but that's yeah. a very popular. There's a few now. stinkers along the line, but this one really feels like. Go through the motions. I'll be honest with you. The entire game feels like a tutorial for the end game. Oh, it absolutely which, is. Which is ass backwards because not everybody who plays these games plays it for the end game. They most play it pe- for the... Most people yeah. that play Pokemon do not play it for the right. competitive So shit. who does this game serve? Everyone's upset. If you're competitive, you got to sit through 20 hours of stuff you don't want to do. Yeah. And if you want to sit through those 20 hours, if that's what you like out of Pokemon, it's the worst it's ever been. Yeah. This is the worst Pokemon game yep. in the main series. Yep. That's too bad. Yep. Uh, so I'm trying to get to the end of that. And of course now Sword will be my main outlet for collecting all the Pokemon in home. Which is my primary goal uh, is to complete that Pokedex. Man, there are some weird looking Pokemon. What they were doing, uh, was it Ultra Sun and Moon with like all the beast Pokemon collecting? When you get the beast balls and then you like go find those yep. aliens. The there are some fucking weird ass Pokemon in that in that thing that they just kind of like, we need to dial it back here. Yep. Sword and Shield. So that's what I've been playing. Jump back into Yakuza uh, Kwame. Uh, which I'm in chapter 11. 
Uh, control is sitting there waiting to be finished. I, I also have not finished Control. I can blitz Control in maybe three, four hours and do all the subquests too and get that Platinum Trophy. I'm just kicking it down the road for some reason. Uh, no, but that I is a fan... Like... Control is a fantastic game. Oh, it I'll is. Say. Uh, it's just uh, I keep putting it off. I don't know. For any number of reasons. Well, uh, you know, Anthem is... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, although, uh, yes. So, Anthem is a game... And we're going to talk about Anthem in the news real briefly here because it just refuses to properly die, uh, is a game I played the shit out of when it came out, because I like bad games. Uh, so this was a game, like Destiny 2, which is not a bad game, uh, but you can kind of mindlessly loot and shoot your way through on a Saturday morning or something like that with your coffee. You want to blow some bugs up or something like that. Anthem is great for that. Yep. Uh, the problem with Anthem was around the summertime... I got to the point where the only thing left for me to do was the highest difficulty versions of the strongholds or whatever. Like, I had nothing left to do in the game. Technically, loot was useless to me because they didn't add anything. Uh, they kept kicking their own DLC plans down the road. So, like, there's new content coming. It's not coming. It is coming. It's not coming. We gotta, do, we gotta fix the main game first. And then radio silence for so long. And at a certain point, trying to get a group to play the hardest difficulty in that game, no one existed. And you cannot solo it. It is ba- balanced around having a full team. There was nothing left for me to do, no one to play with, uh, and I had already outstayed my welcome on that game, so I fucking uninstalled it, and I have no intention of reinstalling <laughs> it, uh, and pled with you not to fucking get that game. If You should have got, like, Code Vein or something. That would have been way up your alley. Yeah, I know. Anime Dark Souls? But, like, I saw a clip of some dude playing Anthem online, a bunch of rockets came out of a flying suit, and I was yeah. like, god damn. Yeah, sure. I'd play yeah, that. I'd play that for $10. You know what? For $10... You can do lowers. I am. Uh, I'm. I'm having a pretty all right time. Like I've said to some other people, if you go into Catwoman expecting Citizen Kane, obviously you're going to be disappointed. But if you sure. go into Catwoman expecting Catwoman, you might just end up with Spider Man too. Yeah, <laughs> might. Uh, but the the jury is in on that, and uh, no, uh, that that was kind of my thing. Is just like. You will feel like you wasted time with this at some point, uh, but you're kind of playing it just from the, the hey, the action is fun point yep. of view. Which that's is, that's literally it. It's just I like to fly around yeah. and shoot things. Which is how I kind of go about playing video games. It's just like, yeah, I could sit here. Yeah, I could grind out Death Stranding, but this particular part of Death Stranding is fun, and I want to be able to come back to it an hour or two here. Does this mean that I never finish Death Stranding? Fucking maybe, but what I've heard of the end of that game... I'm not missing much. Uh, oh, yeah. No, and me too. I have I bought Death Stranding Day came out. I played it that night. Then the next day I woke up, I had no desire to continue playing it, so walking. I didn't. So the game opens up at a certain point. Like, when you get to Chapter 3 and you start being able to make roads and motorcycles and shit like that... Sure. The loop of the game becomes satisfying, but then the rest of the game is circumventing that. Yeah. Is, 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 hey, you felt safe? Hey, you think you got this game figured out? Here's some frustrating <laughs> Listen, shit. I'm a huge Metal Gear Solid fan, yeah. but Death Stranding is one big Kadeo Kojima circle jerk. Sure. Like, it's yeah. him looking in the but mirror. that's what it was always going to be. Yes, yeah. and I anticipate that, but this is more than I intended. Like we let him go. I thought I thought we were gonna get like waist down mirror jerking. Yeah, and it's it's full length mirror. Yeah. man. You know what I mean? <laughs> full length mirror man. Uh, so it. we should probably head into news because we have to talk about near off. Listen, so. the thing about this podcast, you must understand, is if we need to revisit something the next week, so be it. Yes, we, uh, we are will. constrained by time for recording. The podcast will always be under an hour. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. And if, hey, if, if we come to the next week and we're like, you know what? I don't want to talk about that anymore. Fuck yeah. it. It's our we'll show, talk man. about Blizzard's fuck-ups next week. Maybe. Yeah, we can mention briefly that there's a two-headed skeleton attacking people in Reddit. <laughs> we mentioned two online. Uh, that online mode is real weird. Um, and it's kind of... 
in the shadow of GTA 5, which is one of the best-selling games of 2019 yes. on PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, some selling something like 20 million units that like in 2019 alone is fucking nuts. Which would be nuts for any game's lifetime. Yeah. Never mind the like, most recent year of yeah, this game. What year did GTA actually come out? 2013. Yeah, like when 13. did it come out? Hold on, you, vamp. <laughs> <laughs> like Metal Gear Solid vamp. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yes. September seventeenth, twenty thirteen. It was released on the PS3 and Xbox 360. Yes. Yeah, so it's still selling. So in its like, seventh year, uh, it made more money than even Pokemon it's, did. It's because its of release. Lamar. Let's face it. Uh, I'll knock, be honest. Knock. The Franklin parts of GTA Five were my favorite parts yes, because they were the other mine. two characters were unlikable. Michael and Trent. I guess. Yeah. Listen, we're not here to talk about GTA Five. Yeah. <laughs> although we could. Uh, speaking <laughs> of games that we don't want to talk about, Borderlands Three is getting a level cap increase and skippable cutscenes. Uh, this was a hard game to even think about after kind of thinking about Near all morning. Oh, uh, it just absolutely just, is. Yeah. And I'm a, also a huge Borderlands fan myself. Yes. I love two. I liked three. Um, there's a big distinction there. Yeah. Um, but I, I played the fuck out of three got to the end i did so many goddamn exploits to kill bosses in like literally 12 seconds using dumb builds sure and i got um i don't know about 100 legendaries with uh you can only carry about 90 so i was starting to throw away legendaries and i fucking hate doing that yeah so put down the game and i won't come back until i know they trying to say that the game has too many guns (laughs) no but it's like you don't like throwing away legendaries it's just you know whatever that's a conversation destiny's got a fair bit of that um speaking of anthem and bioware they crawled out of the woodwork uh the beginning of this week to let us know that bioware is officially redesigning anthem read what were they doing before now Nothing. So prior to this game's release, they had an entire like there was a guy po- like pointing at a board, and he's just like, <laughs> "Look at all this content. Look at our plans. Look at our roadmap for this game." Uh, and from the point of view of a lawyer, uh, maybe planning a class action lawsuit, that's misdirection. This people bought your game for seventy nine ninety nine, thinking all this shit was happening yeah. when none of it did. None of it fucking happened. None of it fucking happened. And uh, so now they're coming out a year after this game has been released to say we are officially trying to fix it uh that's bullshit and the idea that this is a story that people care about is bullshit i don't think it's fully bullshit if this was anyone other than bioware we we, no one would be talking about i think this is sort of bullshit i don't think they're not gonna do anything but i also don't think they're gonna final fantasy 14 this i don't think it's gonna get a realm reborn re-release I think they're going to just adjust some things, add in like a new stronghold, and be like, oh, yeah, right. Rick, it, we changed which, the game. Which is not enough. Yeah, which obviously. is a waste of time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so players criticize the game's lack of content and poor loot progression system. Uh, as you said the other day when you walked into my office, are there only th- three strongholds? I just started laughing. No, <laughs> yes. Like, I've... Reed, you've seen all the content. Like, <laughs> it's, uh, now you just get to do it over and over again. I'm not even done the main story yet. Like, when, remember playing Destiny 1, and at a certain point you're like, okay, I've done these raids all so many times. I've done, I've done these strikes so these many strikes times. Every fucking That time. was a wealth of content compared to what Anthem actually yes, offers and you. Th- but the thing with Destiny 2 is that they would keep giving you more eventually. Oh, uh, I have no problems with Destiny 2. They, the they would have yeah. Nightfalls, heroic the, uh, variants. The season pass uh, implications for Destiny 2, them adding completely new mo- like like PvE modes and quests to do... 
Destiny 2 is a game you could play for an entire week and not run out of stuff to do with now. And that's why I don't play Destiny right. 2 anymore. Uh, so it's almost become, like, yes. Uh, it's so too much for me, guy. I, I finished what I wanted to do in Shadowkeep. I got pretty far in the current season. I bought two season passes in that game, by the way. Uh, but But I got what I wanted to do done, and I walked away from it. And I've not played and Destiny 2 That's since. not the kind of player I am. I can't yeah. play, like, I hate being behind other people. Uh, in these kinds of games, and Destiny was a constant struggle to keep up with the kind of people that can spend all day raiding. Yeah, and I fucking hate that, and I hate that it takes me like five days just to do all the well, weekly stuff. So like, it becomes an impossible game to play casually because you're just when you log yes. in, just a waterfall of quests yes, and stuff. Just related due to my you. personality and how yeah. I play video games, I cannot play it casually, and uh, yeah, it just doesn't lend itself to me yeah. anymore. Back when it was. I don't want to say simpler, but a lot more manageable. It was absolutely one. The one thing you can't say about it, though, now is lack of content. No, Destiny 2's got so much goddamn content. Uh, (laughs) The team is going to work to reinvent the core gameplay loop with clear goals, motivating challenges, and progression with meaningful rewards. According to the official blog post, the team will also work to preserve the game's flying and combat mechanics, which many players enjoyed. Uh, the asterisk there should be the only thing players enjoy. The only enjoy. thing players enjoy. That's the only thing anyone ever points to with Anthem as a reason why you might want to play it is, hey, the the combat and the flying are cool, yeah. uh, inexclusive of themselves. I like the but... designs of the javelins. They're pretty, pretty neat. Yeah, you can color them. The, the, you know, yes, the coloring is very the, nice. The, the, the abilities are cool. They don't. Most of them don't feel very impactful or cool. No, that's they look exactly cool. why yeah. I changed from the Inceptor to the Ranger, because the Inceptor had no weight yeah. to it. With Interceptor? Interceptor. Is it, is it Inceptor? It could Inceptor. be. Well. So I went to uh, a Ranger who has grenades and rocket launchers, and I'm like, you this will, uh, at least feels... Yes, you'll move to the Colossus eventually, because it is the best. I don't like big boys. Uh, uh, ne- uh, nor do I. Yet the advantages, including the shield that you can use while flying and all the cool things the Colossus have, uh, you'll, you'll get there. Anyways, uh, Anthem will also be online in its current state until the design is ready for launch. BioWare will continue to run in-game events, refresh the store, and will occasionally revisit past seasonal and cataclysm content. So the remaining of Anthem players will have something to do while they wait for the new version of the game. Uh, listen, at a certain point, this shouldn't even have been said. They should just have it done. And then, surprise, it's here. Uh, obviously, No Man's Sky, uh, other examples come to mind of games that were, were pulled out of the dumpster, uh, were given an injection of content. Anthem has problems stemming from its very core, where No Man's Sky is just like, they added things, but the core gameplay remained the same. Anthem's core gameplay is a mediocre third-person shooter, if not bad third-person shooter, with a cool flying mechanic. Uh, they have so much work to do here, and I hate that we're talking about this game. I hate that a year later that we are giving them airtime when they do not deserve it. They've done nothing there's in 365 three, days, three man. three fucking human enemies in the game, and there's about four non-human... Yeah, whatever. Well, let's... Let's, <laughs> let's get past this shit. We Back still, in November, Pokemon Sword and Shield uh, was leaked. The whole Pokedex was released online. Uh, apparently, Nintendo has traced this back to... Portuguese website F Nintendo, that is capital F Nintendo, uh, who had hired a freelancer, not even a person under the contract employ uh, of, of their company, to cover Pokemon. When they were given a copy, they immediately went online and posted everything. This website has been blacklisted. Uh, people are quick to snap at Nintendo for publicly shaming this guy on their website. Nintendo could privately sue the shit out of them instead. Would that be better? 
Would we prefer Nintendo do that? What if they're publicly shaming them and suing the shit out of them? It doesn't seem to be the case. They um, are saying, hey, we're going to protect our IPs no matter because what. Because it didn't hurt their bottom line whatsoever. It's the best-selling Pokemon game in fucking forever, so who cares? Uh, right. But you signed a contract. Don't leak this yeah, stuff. Yeah, don't keep be it, a shithead. Listen. But Nintendo is not that... I was saying Nintendo is not that angry because it didn't hurt their bottom line. What... Uh, the one of the better parts of Pokemon Sword I have to say is that I didn't pay attention to any of the preamble in terms of what Pokemon are available. Uh, so I am constantly being surprised by new Pokemon. That is the only thing I can say about this game. Like, oh, what an interesting Pokemon design. That doesn't look like it should exist in a, in a Pokemon no, game. No, I was yeah. kind of the same way. I only saw certain Pokemon. Or the fact cases. that, like, uh, Galarian Meowth turns into a completely different Pokemon than, yeah. than a Persian. I'm like, what's this Galarian Persian going to look like? You'll never know. It doesn't My exist. My love for you is like a Berserker. <laughs> <Fucking> Berserker. <laughs> and is great. Uh, all right. Jeff Keighley. Is the latest to pull out of E3. Uh, E3, a sinking ship by any stretch of the imagination here. Uh, Sony will not be returning this year after not returning last year either. And this is a console release year for Sony, who has traditionally announced and detailed their consoles at E3. So, read what has changed. What can we point to as the downfall for E3? One could say it's because they published their attendees' names and full addresses and phone numbers on their website for three years, which led to many people being harassed online, having to maybe move. ESA was like, our bad, we won't do that anymore, but has otherwise been off the hook for that fucking transgression. Let me tell you something about fans of streamers that are fanatic. Uh, you don't have to tell me anything about yes. that. Yes, so uh, here's a list of uh, the person that you are creepily stalking's uh, home address and phone number and, and their full name. And Here you go. You just you just have that now. That's just a thing you downloaded off the ESA's website. Hey, when I moderate uh, your chat, you owe me. So that event... <laughs> so, that, so that event kind of skewed the media's perception of E3 or at least put some blood in the water in terms of, hey, the show's been kind of crappy for the last three years and now this... Uh, so you've basically taken your influencers, your good word of mouth people that are maybe the people who would be hyping E3 most, and you've kicked them in the nuts. That's number one. Number two is they are now allowing uh, the public into E3. The hours are a little different, obviously, but this has fundamentally changed the show floor. Because the public is there, these companies that spend millions of dollars on their booths now are bringing all the demos behind closed doors because they don't want Joe somebody walking in and playing a game, seeing that's broken, and telling all their friends, hey, the demo froze on me, this game is shit. Yeah. Obviously, anyone at an industry event seeing a game six months early knows... There's going to be a little something, whatever. There's few people, so the people who are at the booths working can explain to everybody present what's going on. I saw behind closed doors of uh, Bloodborne, for example, and the frame rate was broken. It was dropping below 10 constantly. It was the first level of, of Yarnum there when you fight yeah. the, the beast or whatever. And the guy is explaining that, like, hey, yeah, the frame rate obviously will be polished up for release. Uh, it's going to dip a little bit here or there. When there are thousands of people uh, coming in, you don't even want to put that demo out because they're going to see that. something broken and you can't address each and every person. So something like Sony's booth that used to have some of the most walk-up-and-play terminals now has none. Uh, so that's kind of the feeling amongst all the other booths as well. Everything has now become lines, huge weights, so they can kind of... Then the other thing, too, is you're spending millions of dollars on a booth... And the idea is to sell to wholesalers, to, to talk to, to people who might want to publish your games. Retailers, exactly. But now you have people there who, for lack of a better term, don't matter. Uh, so you're spending time and millions of dollars 
to pitch a game to someone that ultimately doesn't make you a dollar. At best, they buy a copy. At worst, they have a bad opinion of your game based on what they saw yeah. or didn't care in the first place. No, it's an um, industry. Of, that's what it started out as. Yes. It's an industry event, not so, a fan event. Right. So now you have this thing that's trying to straddle the line. Uh, and I have my own feelings on the ESA that we can cover in a later episode. Uh, but now they are trying to uh, add activations to this event to make it something more like a PAX where people who are paying for the public access tickets, which are like $400, by the way, might have something to do. Because let me tell you something. If you don't know anybody, if you don't have appointments, if you don't have a way to get in behind closed doors at E3, it's already kind of a dicey experience. Now if you're there and those are absolutely off the table for you on top of these booths retreating behind closed doors, not leaving things on the floor, there is nothing to do with that show but spend money on overpriced pizza. Uh, and that's insane. However, if you want to see the spectacle of E3, I guess go with God, knock yourself out. Some people are more than happy to spend that money just to say, I was there. Yep. Uh, but the thing you have to understand is this is not the same show anymore. Um, I've never given a shit about E3. I wait till it's done. I watch the trailers of the games yeah. I think are cool. And I move on with my life. But when you're someone like a Sony who can say, we're doing a live stream on Friday night, be there. People are going to be there. It doesn't matter if it's part of E3. It's completely irrelevant. Yeah. Sony has realized this. Jeff Keighley, of course, the producer and host of the VGAs, uh, is who usually is involved with E3. He does like a Coliseum event where they, they stream the entire show. Uh, he's now pulled out as well. Uh, so that's, in terms of uh, Titans leaving this thing uh, behind, that's that's two major, major things. Anyways, that's the news for this week. Reed, let's talk about a little game called Nier Automata. A little game. A little game. Uh, Nier Automata was released, uh, produced, directed by Yokotaro in uh, 2017. Correct. Uh, 2017 also saw the release of Breath of the Wild. Persona 5. Persona 5. Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, God, of, God of War was 2018. God of yeah. War was 2018. Okay. Uh, so but I remember because when Nier Automata came out and I first picked it up, this is a week before Persona 5 came out. And my vacation was during Persona 5's release. So I picked up Nier Automata kind of on a whim like... You know, I had, I had no idea what it was about. I haven't seen any trailers. I didn't know anything about the gameplay or the characters or anything like that. I was just like, this looks like my up my alley. I'm a big fucking weeb. I like uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like anime. I like JRPGs. I like action games. I'm like, shit, I'll give this a shot. And boy, howdy. Did it exceed expectations? <laughs> yeah, so we'll let you know when the spoilers start, uh, but a brief history on this game. It is part of the Drakengard series. Very uh, loosely. I very guess. loosely. Shares some themes, uh, and then if you asked, of course, the, the creator of the game, I'm sure he would say, oh, no, there's, come on, you get this stuff in Drakengard 1. That's echoed in Nier Automata. Yeah. Uh, but this game is a sequel to a game that didn't do very well, but that got cult status called Nier on the PS3 and 360. In Japan, this game, you played as a young anime spiky-haired boy. In North America, they turned him into a grizzled, ugly-as-hell father uh, figure for the main character. We won't talk too much about Near 1, although I will say it was a game that I played back in the day, and while the story and uh, the way it is told is very intriguing, the gameplay leaves a little to be desired in that it is a lot of fetch quests, uh, JRPG fishing, looting monsters, uh, trying to... I need one more board thing to finish this quest... Uh, and that kind of turned a lot of people off from it. But the and people who stuck in to that game and got to the end of it, much like it. Nier Automata, 
uh, really it. saw the scope of it yeah. and, and that, what was trying to be done. And that's yeah. why when they're making Automata, they're like, let's get Platinum Games to do the actual gameplay. Yeah. Because goddamn, they make some fun fucking games. So, so in scope, both of these games uh, are massive in terms of the themes they're going for the in terms of what the, yeah what they want to uh convey convey to the care to the to the player uh but and not the, just that but also yeah uh the gameplay elements how it tells story through them it's very ambitious in that regard yes. how near automatis seamlessly changes genres between a bullet hell shooter a game like Ride into a third-person action adventure yes. game like Del May Cry. So the while the money doesn't appear to be on screen when you're playing the game, the money exists where it needs to, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, what the game's strong suit is, but basically, this game had a demo came out that was 45 minutes long, and if you died during the demo, that was it. There was no checkpointing in the demo, so. To get to the end of this demo was whatever, and the thing that shined there, of course, was the gameplay. The fact that it was a really competent uh, third-person action game, character action game, like a Devil May Cry, as you said. Plus had these bullet hell segments when you fight the boss in that, and those all those the orbs are coming towards you, and your pod can shoot back and stuff like that. Yep. So that's a little unique. This demo was cool. People were challenged by it because of the, the idea of the checkpointing. But it didn't really tell you at all what that game what was the, about. Yeah, as far um, as you know, as far as the demo goes, if you just play the demo, you'd yeah. be like, oh, this just kill so, the robots action venture. Apparently game. a big thing for Yoko Taro is, is the uh, agency of the player and that he hates that most video games players assume they are supposed to kill swaths of enemies and they're fine with it. And the entire point of Nier Automata is to basically be like, hey, why don't you think about that next time? Uh, and that's where we'll we'll get down here. So at its at its core, what do we have here? It is the far distant post-apocalyptic future. Aliens have come to Earth. They have employed machines to wipe out the human race. The, humans the, have retreated to the, to the moon. moon. The few remaining humans have retreated to the moon, and they have created androids uh, known as the Yorha to go fight the machines and take back the Earth at some point in this endless conflict from these machines and aliens. You play as Two B, who is yes. an assault unit. For the Yorha, who is an android, and you are joined by 9S, who is a support unit slash hacker that joins 2B on her adventures. Yes. And you can't really say much beyond that without getting into spoilers, but that's the initial setup of the game anyway. Right. So everybody involved in the conflict from Go is a... Uh, uh, is a fake life form. You have androids and you have machines. Yes. And that's all you kind of are presented with. Yes, the aliens and yeah. the humans are faceless. You do never you never see them in person. Right. So right off the bat, uh, the game is kind of slowly pulling back a curtain on things. And uh, when you realize these things are happening, it's kind of different for everyone. Everyone will have a different aha moment in this game, uh, which is crazy. But... The idea that they are robots means that their uh, consciousness, whatever, these characters can die and technically still live on through their memories, let's say. Yes. So even in the opening scene, 9S and backs up 2B's memory, but unfortunately deletes his own. Yes, but this is also shown through gameplay. Every time yes. you load in the game or you travel between the bunker, which is the place near the moon where the guard right. units are, to Earth, you're not traveling you're sending your memory, consciousness, your consciousness to, another body. Yeah. to another model that's the same body. There's an existential moment where you unlock the fast travel and you realize that, oh, every time I fast travel, I'm not the same body. Yeah. I'm, I'm a new body with all my abilities and my weapons, but I am not the same thing I used to be. What am I? Yes. Uh, and that's why we're, where we'll get into spoilers uh, with this game. Yeah. So, 
the the start of the game basically has you traveling to different uh, camps of robots, some of which have been disconnected from the quote unquote network, network. and are living on their own. Yes, Nine uh, S is immediately in the first boss fight. The boss is talking to you, uh, and Two B's like, "What's that about? Robots? Don't, machines don't fucking talk. They don't think. They don't know." Anything. Are we talking about the first boss fight? Talking about the very first boss fight. Are we talking about uh, not the beginning with the with, near the factory? We're talking about Adam and Eve, right? No, no, no. I'm talking about the very first boss. He talks to you. He does. Just briefly. And 9S says, that's crazy. Machines don't talk. Right. Immediately after yeah, that, yeah, you're right. uh, it becomes really apparent that, oh, these There's machines... There's something else going on here. Something else going on here. These machines are... Uh, seem to be sentient. Seem to... Nine S keeps repeating to Two B that anything the machines say are, are coincidental. Anything they're saying is completely random. And if it has to do with the situ- situation you find yourself in, that's a coincidence because the machines can't think. They don't yes. have agency in that way. So, like after you're done the first initial uh, opening at the factory, right. that's basically the demo. The fucking you're... OST hits you yeah. like a brick sack right. of potatoes. God damn! We'll get into the soundtrack in a bit. <laughs> uh, but you get sent down to the main city of ruins where you have to go to the resistance camp that yes. also has other non-Yorha androids right. chilling there. But before you get there, there's just random robots wandering around. There's machines just wandering the earth. And your first instinct, and I don't know about you, but I definitely did this, was, all right, more robots. Fuck Chop them up. up. Yeah. Yep. So I yep. did. And you don't realize till later that if you don't fucking show any aggression, these robots don't do anything. They no. just walk past you. Most of the enemies in the game are not aggressive towards you as the character. Uh, and even when you attack them, sometimes rarely fight back. There'll be yes. units that do fight back and units that don't. Yes. So what's that about? If these machines can't think and don't know anything and, any, and all of their actions are random when they're not connected to the network, what's going on? Uh, so the There's OST... so much to unpack with this Yes, we're, this is going to be a two-parter. We're going into next week with this game, but... <laughs> Uh, I think we ba- barely get to the end of Route A with what we're discussing right now, and then we're going to have to visit back. But yeah. the OST, uh, a lot of vocals, uh, which uh, initially... Not just vocals. Yeah. They went beyond what anybody could have asked for from an OST. They have typically, I shouldn't say always, but typically three versions of every song yes. in the game. They have a calm, so when you're not in combat and you're just walking around, they have a vocal version of that, which is usually... A more, I shouldn't say aggressive, but more uh, dynamic yeah. theme, but with vocals on top. And then they have the regular dynamic theme, which is like if I was in combat in the desert, right. I would have the dynamic. So the second of the two themes, of the three themes you're talking about, are usually reserved for the end of a mission. Yes. So if something happens and you're kind of taken in, what fucked up thing just happened to you? Because a lot of the side quests in this game are basically existential crises. Yeah. Uh, it plays that second version of the song, and you're just kind of like, hmm. And it's we can get artsy about it it's when 2B is experiencing emotion yes that's when that second theme plays and 2B doesn't experience emotion she's a killer android no and she (laughs) so she goes er, and this will be for later part when we get more into it she's purposely acting that way because she kind of has to yes um yeah, the OST is unbelievable. I don't think this is news to anybody. I think anybody who's even dabbled a little bit yeah. in modern modern knows that it's one of the most well-received Misconception that the language in the game is like German or French or something. It's completely it is, made it up. It is a made-up language that's a, an amalgam of, I believe, French and Japanese primarily that was like... If there was a future language 1,000 years from now, what does it sound like? And someone's like, maybe like this? And it's haunting. Like, yes. the vocals are... It, I, yes. I urge you to go out and look up Memories of Dust uh, vocals. 
It's one of the best songs in the soundtrack, in my opinion. Yeah. Not to mention Way of oh, the just World. Hit, just hit City, City Ruins, Ruins, even. The City yeah, Ruins City theme. Ruins is fucking awesome. Uh, so, Robot Orgy. Let's talk about it. Okay, but first... Because <laughs> um, that's like... Because uh, the first... Like, there's an excellent video we listened to about this. But the first robots yeah, you encounter during... Our the... whole morning was getting re-bummed out yeah. about near by, by watching So, things. the first group of robots that you encounter in the game, which is during the opening segment at the machine factory... Yeah. Uh, they're very barbaric, animalistic. It's the... It's... If you could say that in relation to humans, it's their basic instinct. Yeah. It's... They are being attacked. They are defending themselves. Yes. They are defending yeah. themselves. Survival. When you go into this desert area, you're experiencing the second main group, I would say, right. of robots. So, so the Orha exist on a satellite bunker called the Bunker, uh, which is where the androids are deployed from. So after uh, 9S is initially killed in the opening in the factory we just spoke yeah. of, uh, him and 2B are once again uh, assigned to go check out this desert and check out these these robots. Go on. <laughs> Um, so the robots in this desert seem to have adapted and evolved a little bit further from the previous robots we encountered in the machine factory. These ones have another instinct to them, and that is, you could say, fear. They recognize the danger that these androids, 2B9S, present, uh, present, and being self-aware robots knowing that they'll get shit-canned if they attempt to fight them, some of them run away. Yeah. It's only when they have no choice to run that they attack you. Um, and that's very interesting. They're different from the last group of robots. Right. Um, it's not stated outright whether these gro- robots are also disconnected from the network or not. Yep. But in any case, you're chasing one particular one that keeps running away from you that seemingly you cannot catch up to. And eventually, yes, you happen upon a robot orgy. Yep. <laughs> uh, so the robots in question that you, you come upon in these desert ruins or whatever seem to be... Uh, they, they seem to be thriving. They're existing, but they're also desperately trying to imitate human yes, behavior. Yes, and like specifically a family unit and reproduction at this point. So yes. these, these robots are having an orgy, yeah. and it's it's the first of many fucked up things it's that happen. Fucking in this haunting. Game. <laughs> uh, and then you, what's your job? You have to kill Chop them. Chop them up. Yes, yeah, that's, so, that's why you exist. Yeah, uh, um, the robots start chanting at you that this cannot continue or whatever. Uh, you chop them all up. They jump into a giant pile and make what looks like a an, man. An artificial womb that yeah. creates what could only be yeah, surmised as a man with no junk. Yes. Um, he's very <laughs> naked, but there is no no bits. Uh, he, does he identify himself as Adam at this point? Yes. The first man. Or I guess he doesn't say, all right, I am Adam. But he starts out like a, like a bumbling child almost. Yeah. Very defenseless. And once again, what do you do with this kind of thing that happened just in front of you? Well, you, you, you attack it. it. Yeah. yeah. So you attack it. It's a it, video game. <laughs> but he keeps adapting, evolving, and growing not through years or weeks. It's instantaneous. Yeah. He's continually going it's almost like the machines are trying to create a human of like a figurehead right and in some ways they achieve that so eventually they both do get the final blow on this adam character but all this does is create another human looking machine that comes out of him and picks up the dead one and they basically just leave yeah. as the whole place comes crumbling adam down. and eve as it adam were. and eve Listen. except both are dudes there are a few uh, on-the-nose naming conventions in this game, uh, but I don't want to say it earns them, but they aren't they aren't consequential other than to make you think just based on the name. So these machines trying to make humans, yes. and what would you call the first two humans you make? Yeah. Adam and Eve. Sure. Yeah. That's what they call themselves, mind you. I think they refer to themselves as that, right? Yeah. Uh, so those two guys, F off, uh, and already you're... you're 
perception of what is maybe going on here is and, is skewed. You and don't know. Nine S. Yeah. Um, up until this point, by the way, Nine S is I shouldn't say like uh, defiant, but he's very curious. He's very yes. naive, so he likes to question things that are happening. So he continues to ask to be like, "What the hell is that? Robots can't do that, or I should say, machines. Sorry, yeah. machines can't do that." To be being the very mission focused loyalist she is, or I shouldn't even say loyalist, due to her opening lines of the game, yeah. where she seems very pissed off at something. Um, <laughs> she's just like, "Whatever, we have to forget about it. Like our missions yes. to do this thing. Let's just fucking do it." Um, and that's when you leave the desert ruins. Uh, next up, uh, you're asked to go to an amusement park to also find some some machines that have been disconnected. Uh, and we'll kind of wrap up part one on our, our near uh, discussion, which I think will at least go a couple episodes. And that's fine. That's the point of this, is that we give it the breath it requires. But the amusement park area, going leaving it the first time, uh, when it requests you to, there's a bit of a, a revelation that the, the machines are running away. The machines don't necessarily engage you. Uh, and then with what happens at the amusement park when you are eventually... You fight a boss there uh, who's eating other machines and looks like a beautiful woman. Uh, Opera of machine Yeah, what thing. the fuck is going on? Yeah. And the whole time there's there's just some flavored dialogue between 9S and 2B that comes into play on a further playthrough uh, where 9S is, is really getting confused or curious about... I, I know the following things to be true. I, I'm basically a newborn babe. He got reincarnated. He knows by the book, A through Z, this is what I know about the machines. This is how they act. And from go, this is contradicting what he knows. Uh, 2B is a killer android. is basically just trying to keep him on task, keep him on the mission. Uh, you run into a character named Pascal, uh, and you find a peaceful village of these machines like the first thing 9s says is don't trust what they're saying you can't talk to them because like you said earlier it's random it's all yeah it's all he's ever known is that these robots have to be evil they can't possibly have their own consciousness can't possibly think for themselves but as he discovered from the amusement park when he's searching through the boss's files that's not to be true there's something else going on here and he's trying to come to grips with that uh, yes. his own curiosity gained the best of him, you could say. Right. So we should quick, briefly mention before I get into uh, what we want to leave as the stinger for this episode on your Automata, uh, is that I've completely forgotten where I was going with that. Uh, I was going to say that, that 9S from the outside appears as a whiny side character. And yeah. anyone who we have tried to ask to play near in our circle of people we know who play lots of video games, they are turned off by that character... Uh, there t- or or at at large, people were turned off by the design of Two B. The fact that she's like in a fairly Lolita dress, uh, showing her ass all the time. Um, and we need you to understand that there's nothing pur- is without purpose yes. in this game. It's all done on uh, purpose, especially Nine S. Yes, I would make an argument that Two B sexiness doesn't have as much. Going there is on. something to do with the idea of a support unit, 9S, the idea that he is able to hack, the idea that he is able to essentially extract later on in the game, as you play as him, memories from these machines, and he is constantly faced with a contradiction to what he knows to be true. The fact that he he doesn't really mention this in the first playthrough, in the first ending, uh, but you learn later that the whole time he's being fed information that contradicts what he believes to be true and that he's not divulging this with 2B. He's giving little hints that something's not what what it's like. What do you think of this 2B? And 2B's got nothing to say about it. Yeah. Uh, 
and there's an arc for 9S that that stretches would, 30 hours in this I game. I would argue that uh, Nier Automata is mostly 9S's video. Is the 9S game. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree with you. Yes. Um, so when you meet Pascal, you're, you're listening to 9S. You don't really know what to think anymore because you see this fully functioning, peaceful village of these machines. They're just getting by in the woods. And they're coexisting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then when you go... So then I go to leave the amusement park. And I'm not attacking anything. And I'm realizing... All these fucking robots that are dressed like clowns and juggling or dancing or walking in circles, jumping around and having a good time that I just fucking ripped to shreds on my way into this amusement park are completely docile and they mean no harm to me. Yeah. Uh, then you leave the amusement park and you're in the open city ruins and you see some robots walking in some grass. And you're like, well, I would have torn them apart an hour ago. And you walk up to them and they just walk by you. Yeah, and you're like, this, is, uh, this isn't... Something else is going on. Something's here. happening in this game, and we're going to get to and it. And we barely scratched the surface. <laughs> we barely scratched the surface. We will get to it uh, a little further on the next episode of Public Beta Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Lee. I'm Reed. Talk to you again next week. Mm-hmm.